Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Hey, Hills family and Penrith family, it's so good to be with you here today and help unpack God's Word for you. And I I really pray that it it brings you something that you can um, add to your life this week and, and, and really impart into you through your week and through your work and everything that you do through this season. But I'm continuing on the message, the theme that Pastor Miles brilliantly brought last week on resilience. And I want to start off by sharing a quote by uh, by Serena Williams. We all know Serena Williams. She's a, she's a famous tennis player. And she says, I've grown most not from victories, but setbacks. If winning is God's reward, then losing is how he teaches us. The dictionary says that resilience is the capacity to recover quickly. It's the ability to spring back into shape, to, to bounce back. J.K. Rowling's, you'll probably remember the name of, you've heard the name. Before getting her books published, J.K. Rowling's used to consider herself a failure. She was jobless, she was divorced, and she was penniless. She had a child that she couldn't uh, look after very well with not having any money. Uh, She started writing Harry Potter books uh, just after her divorce. And in 1995, more than 12 major publishing houses rejected her work, one after another. And, and uh, you know, one setback after another, one rejection after another. Two years later, uh, Bloomsbury uh, took up her work and the rest is history. You know, there are hundreds, thousands of stories just like this of resilience. And there's many more in the future that are going to come forth, that we're all, you know, eventually our our children are going to hear about, our children's children are going to hear stories of resilience. You know, the Bible was full of stories of resilience. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who were resilient in facing the furnace. Daniel, who was resilient in facing the lion's den. Uh, Ruth, who uh, on behalf of her her people, who are about to be um, persecuted, risked her life to stand up in front of the king to speak on behalf of her people. She was resilient and faced, uh, and faced the king. And we hear about Joseph. Joseph, who was sold by his brothers into slavery. They were jealous. And, um, you know, he was found in jail, resilient. And then eventually was able to recover to the point where he was the savior of his family. He was resilient. You know, maybe your story of resilience will be remembered. And why not? You were designed, you were destined, you were preordained to live in this season right now. To be uh, in this place, in this time. God has given you everything you need to, to fulfill your calling in life, your destiny to be all that he has called you to be in this time, in this place. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Um, how we are going to live our life now, how we outwork our life, how we, how we position ourselves is our choice. 
And, and for that, you will need resilience. You know, there's a, a book that we as a leadership are reading and to grow us, to impact us, to, to, to develop us. And there's a story in this book that impacted me. It, 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 it stirred me. And in this book, it's a story of Madeline, a 60-year-old blind woman with cerebral palsy. And she had never used her hands. She had no memory of ever using her hands. Because her family, her family did everything for her. They loved her. They cared for her. And they wanted to protect her. But they did everything for her. And, and she used to say of her hands that they were useless, God-forsaken lumps of dough. Useless, completely useless. Now, she ended up in hospital. And her doctor, Oliver Sacks, uh, was tending her, looking after her, and he realized that there was nothing really wrong with her hands. So he thought he'd try an experiment, and as the nurse came in, he says to the nurse, just, just leave the food, her food, just out of reach from her, and, but, you know, and, and make it look like an accident. And, and so the nurse did that, and, and, and Madeline sitting there, food's there, no one's feeding it to her. She can't, you know, she can't lean over and eat it with her, with, you know, with, without her hands. And, and being hungry and, 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 and you know, being impatient, she, she reached out her hands and groped and managed to grab a bagel. And it was the first time she had ever used her hands. And from then on, Madeline started feeling things, really realizing that her hands actually work. Started feeling things and, and, and feeling faces and asked for some clay that she could start making things. And speaking of her hands, Dr. Sachs writes, they were, one felt, not just hands of a blind woman exploring, but of a blind artist, a mediative and creative mind just opened to the the full sensuous uh, and spiritual reality of the world. Madeline's artistry developed to the point that within a year, uh, she was locally famous as the blind woman or the blind sculptress of St. Bernadette's. Who would have imagined that, that such a, a great artist, a, a, an astonishing person, lay in hidden within the body of a 60-year-old woman. You know, it made me think about my life. And I just want to put a couple of questions out to you that I had to challenge myself with. You know, what has God placed within your capacity, within your ability that you haven't discovered yet? You know, what, what freedom have you, uh, have you received from God that you haven't walked in yet? What are you blind to in this, in the spiritual world because your eyes are too busy with what's going on in the natural world? You know, true resilience is much more than enduring terrible conditions or situations outside our control. We need resilience every day single day. We need res resilience to raise a family. We need resilience to work in a job. We need resilience to, to cope with stress. We need resilience to deal with uh, health problems. We need resilience to, uh, f you know, to deal with negative issues um, and relationships. Uh, we need uh, resilience to heal from old pain. And we need resilience to keep, to just simply keep going on.
Madeline's hunger forced her to do something that she'd never done before. And, and, and she realized she, she could have been doing this all along, all her life. And the experience of her newfound freedom was always there. She'd never seen it. She never had the opportunity to discover it and experience it until she was 60 years old. I want to encourage you today that, that you need resilience. But in this, today's world, you need resilience on the inside of you more than ever. And I want to unpack with you uh, a, a passage of scripture that we all know. We've all heard it preached a million times. We've all prayed it over our lives. We've all heard uh, studies and, and messages on it. And, and it's on the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. So for the rest of the time, I want to unpack this, this passage of scriptures to help you understand that, that, that resilience is something that, that you know, we have control over, that, that it's part of who we are, that, that it's our responsibility. And in verse 10, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. We could spend the rest of our time just on this passage. I mean, think about it. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Uh, you know, we can't comprehend the power of our God. He is beyond comprehension. He is above what we could ever think or imagine. His power is so great. He created the universe. And when you start looking at the universe and the intricacy and the molecules and atoms and, and, and star formulation and galaxies, it blows your mind the power of God that is sustained by the power of his word. And it says, be strong, that we are to be strong in the power of his word. Philippians 4.13 says, I can, I can endure all things through the power of the one who gives me strength. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says, God didn't give us a spirit that is timid, but one that is powerful it uh, and, and, uh, and loving and self-controlled. Did you hear that? It says that he has given us a spirit that is not timid, but powerful, but with love and with self-control. Much of the armor requires self-control. It's our responsibility. It requires resilience on our part. Verse 11 says, an understanding, being strong in the, in, the, in the might of his power. Therefore, it says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. What are the devil's schemes? Well, the next verse uh, gives us a window into his schemes. It says in verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. See, flesh represents everything that has been created as flesh. That's us. That's the animal kingdom. That's, that's the, uh, uh, the fish and the beasts of the sea and the, and the birds of the air. Everything has flesh. A battle is not with the flesh, but it's also not with blood. Blood, in the, it, it, the Hebrews understood, is the foundation of life. See, when God spoke everything into creation, this side of eternity, he sustains everything by the power of his word, which is living. Everything this side of eternity is, is not our struggle. So 
you know, it, it's a, so therefore this world, this physical world, is not our struggle. So when God was talking with, with Job and he says, and he talks about the behemoth and the Leviathan, Leviathan, you know, these, these were great beasts. These beasts would rip you apart. If you accidentally walked past their path, you were their dinner. And that's how, how, how frightening these beasts were. They would just tear you apart. It gives a picture of a, of a dinosaur. There's a, a, there's a sea monster and, and a massive dinosaur. These things would rip you apart. But God says, I created them and they are good. In this side of eternity, there's going to be things that come against you, that's going to put pressure on you, that's going to hurt you. And sometimes it's going to take us out. But our battle is not with those things. Our battle is far greater than that. And, and, and it continues on to say, and let me, let me share, let me let you on in a little secret. This world wasn't built around you and I. You know, sometimes we get this entitlement that God created all this for us and therefore he needs to adjust everything for our pleasure and our goodness. God didn't create the world around us. He created the world and put us in it and says, steward it. Take responsibility for it. And we become consumers and, and, and uh, the need for power and authority. And that's another message again. But, but we are the ones that create and destruction in this world. And our battle is not there. It's to do with, and it carries on, it says, but against rulers, against authorities, against power, powers of this dark world. The dark world, this is where the schemes of the devil is. It's in this dark world. Now, what is the dark world? Well, we've got to go back to Genesis 1, and God gives us a picture of this dark wilderness. When the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the dark deep, the watery abyss, there's darkness there. It, it, this, this, is the, this is the place of, of the devil's schemes. The, the, this darkness, the Hebrews understand it to be a place of dysfunction, disorder, chaos, disunity, uh, disorder. This is the devil's schemes to bring confusion, to bring disjointedness, to bring division, to bring dysfunction, to bring uh, uh, disorder. It's not out there. The disorder and dysfunction is not out there. These are just things that happen. I mean, even in the face of COVID, it happens. But the disorder and the confusion, you'll see it in the marches as people, you know, crying for freedom. And then there's retaliation. There's confusion happening in the heart. There's, there's the arguments around the water cooler at work about which vaccine to have or whether to have one at all. And there becomes arguments and strong opinions and it creates dysfunction, disunity and chaos. That is the scheme of the devil. It's to produce chaos. Therefore, within our lives, this is the first place, is our hearts, because our hearts, uh, uh, you know, uh, get emotional. Uh, and from our emotions, uh, then we try to reason within our minds and try to get understanding with the knowledge that we try to draw from to get reason for the things that are happening. And usually our reasoning uh, can be way off. And, and this is why God says that you need to put on the armor. So now we're going to look at the implements, the, the armor itself. And therefore, it says, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, when the day of dysfunction, when the day of disorder, when the day of confusion, when, when the day of uh, disunity comes, 
then you'll be able to stand, stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, it says stand firm. And three times it's mentioned here in this passage to stand. Three times we're called to stand, we're to stand in the face of COVID. We're to stand in the face of disappointment. We're to stand in the face of hurt. We're to stand in the face of those things that come against us and say, uh, contrary to what God's word says. It's not fighting those things. It's fighting the dysfunction that stirs within our being. So the first piece of armor God gets us to put on is the waist belt of truth or the, uh, around your waist, the belt of truth around your waist or around your loins, the Hebrew, uh, the Greek uh, explains. Now, the physical loins is the place where the Hebrews believe the generative power uh, uh, resides. It's within semen. Procreation is the place where you bring forth generations. And there was, within the Hebrew culture, there was parameters uh, about this, there was, of staying pure, of making sure the family line stays pure. In other words, when you produce, making sure that you're within the boundaries of what God intended for his people. Now, their father is Abraham. The Israelites' father is Abraham, according to the natural loins. But the scripture shows that our father, Abraham, we are the Israelites according to his spiritual loins. The spiritual loins. What is the spiritual loins? The word says, the word of God says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We became born into his kingdom, not by natural uh, uh, procreation, natural birth, but by spiritual birth. Therefore, we use the term, because we're already born, we use the term born again. The spiritual loins, therefore, is the tongue. The first thing that God puts, wants us to put uh, our armor on is the tongue. And the tongue has more to do with others than it has to do with you. You notice the first thing that God wants you to do in terms of protecting yourself or positioning yourself is make sure that you've got truth attached to your tongue, that when you talk to people, it's going to bring forth life, that your, that your tongue has the power of life attached to it. And there's perimeters attached to that, that no matter what, where you are at life, in life, no matter where you are in your heart, make sure that your tongue is bringing forth life. Isaiah 55, 11 so my, says, my, so my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty. This is God speaking. But it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The, the, the waist belt of truth is around the spiritual loins. That when you're around a water cooler talking to people, especially around today's um, you know, topics and the, the, the current affairs today, is make sure that you're bringing forth truth, that you're speaking truth, that you're not getting wrapped up and involved in some of the conversations of neg negativity and, and, uh, and everything that how else that, that um, those arguments bring, but you're bringing truth that brings forth life. Life has to come from the loins, the spiritual loins. You've got to bring forth life, and that's the first thing that we have to take responsibility for in putting on the armor of God. 
The second thing now comes to the first place which deals with our heart. It's the breastplate of righteousness. It says put it in place. It's attached to our heart. This is the seat of, the, of our emotions, our soul, around the heart. It's the heart where all the issues of life comes from. You know, we, God says that we are righteous, that he has made us not righteous, not by what we have done, but what he has done for us. So therefore, we place that righteousness onto our heart and we discipline our heart and bring it in line with God's righteousness. We're, righteousness because, we're righteous because he says so and he made us righteous by what he did for us. But then there's a obedience, there's, there's a resilience that comes because we're always going to be swaying back and forth and falling. But there's a resilience and there's a discipline that has to come on our part to keep our hearts aligned with what God says uh, about us. See, Cain, when he sacrificed, Cain and Abel, when, he, when his sacrifice was rejected and, and Abel's was better than his, he, he was hurt. He was genuinely hurt. God's talking to him as he's looking for Abel. We don't know if he had intention to kill his brother, but he was going to have it out with his brother. He was not happy. He was, he was hurt. And God says, don't you realize that you'd be accepted if you do well? And then he says here in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, it says, but if you do, if you do not do what is right, then sin is crouching at your door. Where's your door? Here. The sin is crouching at your door and its desire is to have you. But you must rule over it. Not cast it out, not pray against it. You must rule over it. Place the breastplate of righteousness over your heart. The initial feelings of rejection that Cain had led him to a sinful act. Sin happens long before the act. It happens in the heart first. We are positioned in God's righteousness, but we have to master our heart and bring it in line. Our heart will let us down continuously. The Bible says the heart's wicked above all things, David says in one of his Psalms. And therefore we have to, we need resilience. We need resilience to always bring it up into line with God. 15, and, there, and then with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, the shoes of peace, this is powerful. You know, your peace will come from the issues from where your heart is. And it says in Isaiah 32, 17, it says, listen to this. And the effect of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness will be peace. And the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. When you, when you have your heart settled in who you are, when it's settled, when you have the righteousness, you know, your heart in the right place, Peace will come out from your life. You can face anything, but there'll be peace. You will carry peace. Your testimony will be peace. There'll be a peace that surpasses understanding. Your testimony will bring peace in any chaotic situation. Have you ever walked into a room and somebody said, hey, Graham's here. It's all good. There's a sense of peace. This is the promise that God has for us if we get these things right, if we're resilient in bringing those things in line. Verse 16, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which, is, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shield of faith is not part of the armor where it's attached to you. It's out in front of you. You hold it in front of you. 
to protect you, but it's in front of you. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is connected to your hopes and dreams. You know, it's something that's in front of you. It keeps you on track. It keeps you moving forward. Faith is something not for you here and now, but it's for your future. It's things that you believe in about yourself. It's believing in what God's called you to and stepping into all that he has for you. Faith is what's in front of you. You know, I see so many wounded Christians, so many people that you come across that aren't in church, wounded hurt, out of church, angry at this, hurt at that, allowed their heart to get uh, wounded. And, and yet they, they, you know, they can easily, you know, they say, I still have my faith. And they're laying there wounded, off track, not moving. You know, faith isn't something that you have onto in terms of who you are. Faith is something that drives you forward to your dreams and your hopes. Resilient keeps you on tracks. Resilience keeps you on track, and if you fall off, which you will, it's just life, it helps you get back on track. Because the enemy's arrows will say you are no good. This is, it, it, it feeds into that dark world. Verse 17, we're coming to a close. Take up the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation bookends, bookends all the rest of the armor. It covers your mind. This is where the battles are won and lost. The Bible says to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. There's a part of that we have to bring everything in line, that we have to work it out because, you know, our mind drifts. It goes off track. It goes wayward. And we need to have understand that salvation of who we are. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5, it says, For though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, contrary they, are, uh, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. Where does this all happen? In the mind, because it says we take captive every thought and make it obedience to Christ. The helmet of salvation bookends. And lastly, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is, uh, is like a scalpel. Let, let me read Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It, it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid before his eyes uh, in whom we must give account. You know, the, the, this two-edged sword, which is the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, is, is not to, uh, for out there. Uh, you ever seen... Uh, the Japanese hurry curry where they would uh, take their life because of dishonor. Well, the sword of the spirit isn't for others out there. It's for 
in here. It's for removing soul and spirits, for cutting between bone and marrow, thoughts and intents of the heart. It's to do surgery on yourself, allowing the Word of God to cut out of you the dark world. Jesus came. I mean, listen to this. Jesus came and died for us to get the hell out of us. See, there's a darkness in each one of us. There's a dark world of confusion, chaos, dysfunction. I mean, just look at the world. Look at the, the different denominations, even in church. We all are prone and subject to a darkness of dysfunction and disorder and disunity. We've all got hang-ups with someone. And, and, and Jesus came to remove that darkness, to get the hell out of us. And we do that by, by positioning ourselves with the armor of God and allowing him to do work on us. Listen, if you want to walk as God intended you to walk, if you want to be strong in the Lord and his mighty powers, it says in verse 10, then you have to learn how to bounce back. When you, you need to learn how to develop resilience. David, King David was a man after God's own heart. God said it. David is a man after my own heart. And it wasn't because he was a good guy. It was because he knew how to bounce back. After he murdered, uh, committed adultery and murdered, he soon after that, he wrote this psalm. And it says, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. He knew how to bounce back and not stay in that place, in that darkness, uh, that dark world. We had to live above and not beneath. We had to be the head and not the tail. Let me pray for you today as, as you face your week. And I pray that you're able to, um, to take the armor of God in a new light, but make a, a purposeful prayer and decision of keeping your life in line with His Word and allowing yourself to be mirrored by His Word in your life and allowing Him to cut out those areas of your life that need to be removed. Let me pray for you. Father, Father, I just pray for each and every person that received this word today. Father, I pray that it would bring life, that would bring life um, generationally. It would reach even beyond the TV screen, but would touch the people's lives that those watching are connected to. Father, I pray that, uh, uh, that, that this dark world, has this dysfunction and confusion has no place in their hearts and in their life but you're able to cover around them. Father, able to, to step into all that you've called them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I'd like to pray now uh, for those uh, who, who may not know Jesus Christ. Maybe you've heard of Jesus Christ. Maybe you um, uh, have had a relationship with Jesus Christ in the past, but feeling cold and feeling disconnected, uh, feeling a dysfunction towards the things of God, feeling a disunity or, or, or a disorder happening in your life. Well, I want to pray for you. And, and if you just click the button on your screen that you've lifted your hand, um, one of our team would love to be able to connect with you and help you on your journey of being able to bring uh, God's righteousness back in line for your life, being able to support you and disciple you. You know, I wish I had disciples when I was younger. You know, people that not would just, you know, not just teach me the word, but teach me life. That their lives would be open books to me. That I could, uh, that I could learn from them and learn how to, to manage life in a way that is godly and righteous. 
So let me pray for you right now as you're making a decision. Don't forget, click the button that you put your hand up because we'd really love to connect with you. Father, I just pray for every single person who is raising their hands to you, saying, Lord, I want to come home to you. Lord, I want your righteousness on me. Lord, I want you to, to, to search my heart and, and to, and to uh, you know, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Father, I pray that you would do a, a miraculous work in those lives and seeing a turnaround, not just of accepting you, but going on to bear fruit and, and live um, uh, uh, lives that are flourishing and whole and th that are able to bring peace into every situation of chaos and able to bring unity and able to bring function where there was dysfunction. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. Look forward to seeing you next week. God bless.